Hello and welcome to another episode of Daily American Presses Chatting with Abby. I am once again recording from my car because I have a hard time finding time to record and I have this super long commute and so even though it creates lesser audio quality, this is just the time I have to record. So Let me know if this is a barrier to you listening or if you just don't care. I'm hoping you just don't care and it's just all the same. It's not like I produce a super, super high quality podcast. This is more just me talking to my friends, uh, a way to connect. Um, I'm no, I'm no Ben Shapiro. So let me know. But for now, I'm going to see how it goes to kind of do it this way for a while And, uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I work in Northern Virginia at an unspecified location (laughs) and I live in just across the border in West Virginia because Loudoun County, Virginia is statistically the richest county in the nation. That's Northern Virginia. That's where I work. And, uh, for that reason, the property taxes and the property values are ridiculously high and just across the border you can save tens of thousands of dollars on both the property value itself and on taxes so do I pay through the nose in gas yes and that is biting me right now but my mortgage now is still less than the rent my husband and I were paying in Northern Virginia. So it kind of makes it worth it. The other struggle is the time I spend in the commute. I I lose about three hours a day in, in my car. And I just try to reclaim that in various ways, whether that's some really intentional thought or prayer um, or usually it's audiobooks sometimes it's music sometimes i practice um harmonizing with the with the radio or something there's just there's always ways to take back something instead of just letting it pass and i'm wondering if recording my podcast in here is is another one of those ways i can reclaim some of this time that is just kind of spent on the road so All that to say, sometimes there are ways to improve your situation that are not immediately obvious, but but they are ways to improve your situation, such as for my husband and I, moving 20 minutes into another state made the whole situation, property taxes, size of house we were able to buy, amount of money we were able to save so much better. So being a West Virginian is, is pretty, pretty awesome. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. So, um, the thing I wanted to start off talking about today, great transition, Abby, great job. Thanks. Um, is recently, uh, this past week, Dave Rubin, um, host of the Rubin Report, who. Um, he he identifies as classically liberal. He's a friend of the right, and there's a lot of 
um, people on the right who are very good friends with him, including members of the Daily Wire crew. But he is not a conservative. He's he's a right-leaning liberal, a classical liberal, is what he calls himself. His book, Don't Burn This Book, was, was very good and kind of outlines what he means by the term classical liberal. And I find myself in line with a lot of what he proposed, but it is not conservatism. And it's not grounded in any type of religious understanding. It's not grounded in in a biblical worldview or anything like that. And for me, um, any any theory of how things should be done, whether that's in politics or in life, it's fairly meaningless if it's not built on a on a bedrock of a moral standard. If your moral standard is just kind of arbitrary, don't hurt people, or it it just ends up not being not being meaningful and not being a super sturdy thing to build things on because if your if your principle is don't hurt people then the definition of hurt can become subjective to how people feel do i feel hurt and that's what's happening these days you have you have people who call words violence they say you're hurting me by saying these words it's bad to hurt people therefore you're bad that should be illegal it should be illegal to hurt my feelings or drawing a connection between you hurt people's feelings and that makes them want to kill themselves therefore this should be illegal because it has motivated some people to kill themselves and it's awful when people kill themselves it really really is but suicide is a choice and it is a it is never the right choice it's a very very selfish choice that people make to leave the world rather than deal with their problems leave the world instead of fixing broken relationships facing certain truths it's the coward's way out. And I say that having friends, acquaintances who did commit suicide, I have a lot of compassion for it. And at the same time, I think it's, it's incredibly your own choice that somebody made. So anybody who says you can't speak badly about homosexual people, you can't speak badly against trans people or else it'll make them commit suicide. I think that that's that's a, that's kind of stupid. That's kind of silly. No one forces people. Well, very, very rarely is someone quote unquote forced to commit suicide. That's a completely different thing. So Dave Rubin and his husband, they're, they're gay, posted a photo announcing their babies that um, they, there are two different kids, two different babies who are currently in gestation right now. They're due at two different dates. They're not twins. They're not inside the same belly. Um, there's, there's one created with, created in the lab with Dave's sperm and one created in the lab with his husband's sperm. And they both have different surrogate moms. I'm not sure if they have the same egg donor mom. I'm, re- I'm really not certain of that. But they're in different bellies for sure. 
and there's a whole debate that I'm not really wanting to have per se about whether or not IVF is intrinsically evil. That's in vitro fertilization. IVF usually, I would say usually, involves some eggs being fertilized and then not ever used, um, either disposed of or just kind of frozen indefinitely. And that, if, you know, since we believe life begins at conception, or if you believe that, um, even if that conception happens in a Petri dish, it's still abortion if that life is then ended. So that abortive, the abortive aspect of IVF is evil. But it is possible to do IVF and only fertilize one egg or however many you are going to actually use. Um, there are people who they fertilize four they freeze the four and then they have those kids over the course of their childbearing years. Um, if you watch the latest Adam Carolla episode on the dailywire.com, which Adam Carolla and his guests are hilarious, but the latest one, his guest was talking about he and his wife were doing IVF and that's what they did. They fertilized four they're going to use all four, or at least that's their intention. I'm not sure if I think that that's immoral. I, it's not something I would do because if I ever felt, if I wasn't able to have kids, if I end up being infertile, I would just adopt. I, I don't feel the need to have genetically mine babies. That's not something that, like, it would break my heart if I wasn't able to do it. So... For me, IVF is just not ever something I would pay money to do. So because I'm not ever in danger of doing that, I haven't really sat down with God and said, is this wrong or is this right? And um, with, with thorny moral issues like that, my tendency is just to like think that's between me and my God. If I'm thinking about doing something like that, I would spend time with God trying to with God and my husband trying to figure out is this something that we feel morally comfortable doing is there a moral reason is there a bible passage that would point us in a different direction than this and I I know that the catholic church has come down against IVF but for me as a protestant what human church leaders say can be informative but it is not the same as biblical authority it's a it's a different level so and I do think that the the Catholic Church's position on IVF stems from the assumption that it is abortive I could be wrong on that I should do more research before I talk about it but anyway so there's a whole debate about IVF there's a whole debate about any um, lab interference with conception um, I, IUF, I believe, is where instead of taking the sperm and the egg both and combining them in the Petri dish, IUF takes the sperm and puts it directly into a vagina. <laughs> um, I should really grow up. I can say vagina on my podcast like an adult human being. Um, 
and that's that one's a little different um, obviously the moral issue comes I think more down to is this happening between married people are, are you conceiving a baby between two married people is the woman being fertilized creating a baby that's going to grow up intentionally fatherless a lot of women reach their childbearing years years haven't found a dude yet want kids and decide to go it alone and I think that 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 is a cruelty to that child to decide I want this so badly that I'm going to purposely raise this child fatherless Um, obviously there are single moms out there who through through no fault of their own um, or through just you know whatever human imperfect nobody's perfect obviously marriages fall apart for various reasons or relationships fall apart for various reasons and and both parties are involved in that but there are obviously single moms out there who did not did not have the baby with the intent of raising it as a single mom so that's a little bit of a different issue but so with the case of of Dave Rubin and his husband both of these children are going to be motherless they they are intentionally they have intentionally created two children who are going to grow up with two dads instead of a dad and a mom is that still better than children being raised in a unloving abusive environment yes is that still better than i mean obviously we have we have a declining population people not wanting to have kids so the fact that Dave and his husband really want to bring children into the world and and raise them right um to whatever extent that they understand that to to mean I think that's a good thing I think the desire for kids is a good thing and I do think that Dave and his his husband will be reasonably decent parents um they're not believers they're not Christians they're I don't but I have no reason to believe that they're not going to be good dads um but I do think it is it is a sad thing that those kids are going to grow up without moms without a mom (laughs) um so there's there's a motherless fatherless aspect to this debate there is the obviously with uh, Dave Rubin they wouldn't be fatherless but in cases of when women do this, obviously, fatherlessness is, is part of the debate. And then you have the debate regarding surrogacy itself. Just the practice of one woman being paid to grow a baby for somebody else. And there's an argument that that is tantamount to human trafficking. I, I think that's a bit of a stretch that it's human trafficking. I think that that's a bit of a exaggeration for for effect but at the same time I don't like the idea that the miracle of growing a baby in your womb is just something that you can just sell that your body can just be used as a as a rental facility but um, if someone is choosing between doing that and prostitution I would prefer they did that so it's one of those things 
thorny moral issues. There's a lot of these thorny moral issues where the Bible doesn't specifically say things about it. And for some people, they read the Bible and and they the way that they read the Bible, it's just so obvious to them that things like surrogacy and IVF have to be wrong. It's just their conscience works that way and it their conscience tells them this is clearly wrong. And they don't understand when other people say, yeah, my conscience doesn't tell me this is wrong. I... I need a little bit more information here. I need a little bit of a, a solid biblical argument to tell me, you know, why why is this wrong? Where where does God say something that would imply this is wrong? And there's there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't specifically talk about, and we can't make an argue from silence. An argument from silence of the Bible is always going to be pretty um, pretty weak. But at the same time, I generally assume something is right, something is okay, unless told otherwise. You know, when God says, you can eat from every tree of the garden except this one. He's really good about saying, all of this is permissible and this you shouldn't do. And so I tend to err on the side of, it's okay, unless the Bible specifically says otherwise, or specifically presents a principle that when applied would necessarily lead you to to say, okay, this is wrong. For example, the Bible says your body is a temple. So I would take that, you know, the implication being take take care of your body as God's temple. So I would I would use that uh, in application against smoking. I would say if if there's something you know is really dangerous for your body, limits your lifespan, blackens your lungs the principle that your body is a temple is going to kind of apply to say, eh, smoking's probably wrong. Um, do I smoke from time to time? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's just, sometimes it is really, it is A, difficult to figure out sometimes what God would want when he didn't specifically say it. And it is, it is also difficult when talking to other Christians when they feel really strongly about something that's not explicitly stated and you're like, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to create something that the Bible didn't say. Um, there, there's verse at the end of Revelation that says, you know, cursed is anyone who adds, adds to this or takes away from this. And so I want to just be so careful if I'm seemingly adding something to the Bible that God didn't say. But I do think there's going to be a lot of grace from God about, I think he knows, A, we are imperfect human beings. We don't read the word perfectly. We don't understand the word perfectly. We don't hear the spirit perfectly when the spirit is trying to tell us one thing or another. Um, I'm in a constant state of trying to hold some of my non-essential theology things loosely. Obviously, I don't hold the essentials loosely. The deity of Christ and the fact that he died for my sins. Like, that's not something I'm going to hold loosely. But all of the little things like whether or not IVF is wrong. That's something I'm going to hold loosely. Because I genuinely don't know if I'm right about it. I know what I think. I know what I currently believe at this moment. But I also know that I could easily be wrong about it. And so I try to hold it loosely. And when when it matters what I think about it. Um, I, I try to 
ask God to help inform my inform my view of it. I just pulled into work, but I'm going to talk for another few minutes, but you might hear some sounds and I apologize. I'm grabbing my lunch. I do try to pack a lunch because eating anything from a restaurant or even a grocery store in this part of Northern Virginia is expensive. But Dave Rubin and his husband, they posted their baby announcement and obviously they are so happy. They have the same joy that any heterosexual couple has when they announce their babies. The coming of a child is a joyous thing, whether or not there was sin involved in it or not. And obviously, as from, from my perspective as a, as a Christian, um, homosexuality is a sin. IVF might be a sin. Surrogacy might be a sin. Um, intentionally creating a child that's going to be motherless is a sin. And at the same time, I can recognize that Dave and his husband have a lot of joy. And so there's that instinct to want to congratulate them on their joy. When I first saw their post, I almost said congrats. It was like a gut instinct to say congrats. And then I was like, no, I can't. That does cut against my, I, I do think that's kind of a bad thing that they're doing. So I didn't comment at the time. Later on, I saw conservative Twitter kind of um, erupting in conversation about this. Because just a few months ago, Pete Buttigieg and his husband had a pair of twins via surrogacy. And... Pete notoriously took a couple months of paternity leave and they notoriously took a photo of them sitting on a hospital bed with their with their babies um that was just a weird photo because it kind of implied that they had given birth to the babies like why would you need to sit in a hospital bed if you literally did no work um, whereas the mother who actually needs to be in a hospital bed, probably in a different bed. But the photo op was was weird. And the whole, the paternity leave thing was very long at a time when the nation was in crisis in, a, in Pete Buttigieg's sphere of authority. So conservatives rightly came down very hard on Pete. And it's one of those things where Pete is not a friend of the right in the way that Dave Rubin is. And so a lot of a lot of conservatives, same conservatives who came down hard on on Pete for his his babies and for his paternity leave and all of that were the same people saying congratulations to Dave Rubin. Or at least not saying anything at all about Dave Rubin. And on the one hand, that's understandable because you don't attack your friends in public. And on the other hand, it it feels a little hypocritical because it is the same thing. If it was wrong when Pete did it, it's wrong when Dave does it. And if you came down publicly on Pete, it's weird for you to 
say congratulations publicly to Dave. And I heard it put this way. When your friend is in their moment of great joy, that is not the time or place to confront them over their sin. And publicly is not the time or place for you to confront a friend over their sin, even if it's the same sin that you would confront a stranger over publicly, stranger like Pete. Um, that's not how you treat friends. And I, I tend to agree with that. I think that saying congratulations to Dave publicly was a step too far for those who did it, especially those who were not individual friends of Dave's, but whole conservative organizations. PragerU, Blaze TV are examples of whole conservative organizations who publicly congratulated in a, and in my mind, publicly put their stamp of approval on that moment from Dave. But there were individual conservatives who are either friends of mine or people I follow, people I'm familiar with, who said congrats and that it was my choice not to, but I can understand why they did as friends of Dave. Um, because like I said, that was my instinct when I first saw the post. I saw a post with, with photos of um, ultrasound photos of babies. And it is my instinct to say congrats every, every time I see a new life growing. Because that's such a joyous miracle. Regardless of the, the sin inherent in that particular situation. So... I think that how the Daily Wire handled it from their end was the best way in a, in a thorny moral situation. Um, they all, you know, none of them, none of them publicly congratulated Dave. None of them put their stamp of approval on the behavior. But at the same time, they have all chosen not to publicly attack their friend, publicly call out their friend in his moment of joy. And I think that that was appropriate. I think that we are in a battle for the soul of the nation. And that is a really thick and thorny battle. And we need to be sure we're not being hypocrites and playing favorites and all of that. But at the same time, we do need to remember that we're human. And human friendships matter. It's not all this battle of, of thoughts and opinions, it, it still does matter, friendship and, and loyalty to someone like Dave, who is fighting on our side on so many different topics, and to appreciate that Dave takes, in some ways, more heat than purely conservative people. Because he rides that line, he takes a lot of heat from both sides. And to hold his position and to fight with us is, is not something that we should just take for granted. And I think that the way that we treat our allies and the way that we treat our friends, we need to be careful with it. Um, or else no one will want to ally with us. And for good reason. You, you don't want to ally with people who stab you in the back. There are times even just on Twitter when conservatives are just incredibly mean to me. And it in those moments, I'm like, I don't want to be a conservative because this is how conservatives treat me. So how much more if if someone like Dave is just being absolutely pig-piled um, and told 
the truth that he did something wrong. So, but for me, I'm not a friend of Dave's. I don't know Dave. Dave's a stranger to me. So I ended up commenting on his, on his baby announcement tweet, just this is wrong. And that was, for me, that was the appropriate thing to say. So I am curious what you think about this. I have talked to so many people on Twitter about this topic. So I am curious to hear uh, if we haven't talked about it, what you think. And um, just shout out to Margot. Um, I think her handle is at Margot Catholic. I should have looked that up before saying this, but Margot is a devout Catholic and deeply, deeply against IVF and, and surrogacy and all of that. And she has taken a lot of heat for standing up for her beliefs. And even though I don't completely share her beliefs on that, I think she, I'm so impressed with how passionately and firmly she stands up for what she believes. And I think that I could take, a lot of us could take such a huge lesson from the steadfastness with which she holds her um, her morals. She doesn't squish on them one bit. And she is the least hypocritical person I know. So shout out to Margot. I have no idea if she'll even listen to this, but I'm going to tag her in it. And with that, I will leave you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for understanding the audio issue and have a good week. I'll see you on Twitter.